where the warning is in force. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter today is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's Back Chat, we're talking about the return of international cruise liners and the transport links between the Kai Tak Terminal and the city, while the upturn in cruise ship activity is, of course, uh, very welcome news. A number of passengers arriving at the facility at the weekend reported uh, uh, long waiting times for taxis, and with uh, limited infrastructure arriving, passengers are left with few options. The Transport Department, the Tourism Board and the Terminal Operator held a meeting yesterday to consider what could be done to improve matters. So we'll be asking about uh, possible ways forward to solve uh, Kitex transport needs. And after 9.45, we'll look into the unauthorised removal of vintage road signs. Join the conversation and let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And uh, joining us now in our studio here, we have uh, Jeff Bent, who's Managing Director of Worldwide Cruise Terminals, which uh, operates the uh, Kaitak Terminal. And uh, also on the line, we have um, Alok Jain, CEO and Managing Director of uh, Transconsult. Um, uh, Jeff Bent, perhaps uh, if we can start with you. Uh, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, so the Tourism Commissioner, uh, Vivian Sum, uh, was saying yesterday that uh, she wants to facilitate uh, better communications between uh, uh, yourselves and the taxi trade. Um, what could be done there, do you think? Uh, good morning, Jim. I think... Um you know, it's it's always good to um, have more communication. I, I think as, um, you know, various media outlets have uh, reported, you know, every everybody in the taxi trade knows that we um, speak with them already. Uh, we um, call a meeting with uh, various taxi groups uh, several times a year and explain the schedules. We send emails. We send facts. We send uh, WhatsApp. We uh, use an app that they call Zello. We post someone on on the street uh, out near a, uh, a gas station when when a ship is at berth. So we we use a number of channels to communicate um, with the trade. But um, you know there can always be more. So never hurts. Mm. Mm. Uh, a, a representative of the taxi industry was saying yesterday that uh, uh, sometimes when cruise ships arrive, they're arriving during like the, the, the regular rush hour. Um, drivers are busy during that time. They don't want to go out to the terminal if they've got an empty, you know, because they have to go there with a, usually with an empty cab. So, uh, you know, can something be done there about, you know, staggering arrival times or? Yeah, I think first I, I also have to sort of debunk um, some of the, I think, mistaken perceptions. I, I think based on the reporting, a lot of people think that everybody um, on a cruise ship uh, comes off and wants to catch a cab. And, and actually um, for, for this last ship, um, say on the Friday when it came and when all the press were invited on the ship, um, two thirds of the 4,500 people debarking were on shore excursions. They had prearranged coaches. There were, there were 55 coaches bringing them to various parts of the city. And then um, another, 
um, you know, a thousand plus uh, of them took public transport. You know, there's uh, more buses now. The buses all take credit cards, um, mini buses as well. So, um, so really, there there are a few, um, you know, a few hundred, you know, maybe ten percent or so who um, wait for a taxi. But those are the ones that get interviewed <laughs> so, by the by the press. So it's not really representative of the entire transport situation. Like, I mean, I heard some, you know, pundits recommending, oh, you should have coaches. Well, y you know, y yes, <laughs> uh, most of the people take coaches, actually. But um, the other thing um, is that I'd say the, um, the press had a mistaken impression of the general situation at the terminal because that Friday afternoon, as all the press were getting off after their tour of the ship, the single road going to the cruise terminal was entirely blocked by um, a, a... There'd been an accident somewhere, the, right? There was a, a piece of, yeah, something collided with a bridge. And so no vehicles could go to uh, the cruise terminal um, for... Uh, at least um, at least an hour, and then and then there was another hour where they used the other side of the rain to sort of road to alternate two ways. So so the impression that the journalists got was, how come there are no cars coming? And we didn't know at first either. You know, it's like a kilometer away from us that this that this happened until I I walked on foot out out to see, you know, what was what was going on. So. Um, so at the same time, this also illustrates the very real issue that all of the transport is dependent on that single road. It's a single point of failure. And, and if, it, if there are issues, then, you know, then nothing works. The, the coaches, the buses, the minibuses, the taxis, the Ubers, uh, you know, nothing, nothing can work. So, so really, um, a lot of the recommendations that we've been making um, over the years still apply, which is there needs to be more redundancy. Um, that could be more and better ferry connections for which there are willing operators if landing steps can be built in the right places for the, uh, for, for the, for the ferries to go. And um, if not a monorail, um, can we consider you know, either the sky bus that I think a lot of legislators have talked about or even a, uh, a cable car? system like are in, in some big cities used for public transport. Um, but, but having everything on that single road kind of leaves us open to, um, to disruptions. And, um, you know, a lot of our other um, recommendations over the years still apply too. you know, those uh, adjacent empty lots, can they be used for parking um, in the short term? There's almost no cost, right? And um, if there's a hotel next to the cruise terminal, the out-of-town guests can simply walk to and from the terminal on, on the day and, and don't have to fight with everyone else for, for taxis. Um, having parking for locals also means that the remaining taxis can go to those cruise guests who, who need it. Um, so, um, I mean, longer term, you know, we also hope that if the tourism node is built out if the quarantine center can be moved to the northern metropolis and the tourism node can be built with you know attractions leisure facilities retail public transport infrastructure maybe not everybody getting off the ship will want to go somewhere else you know maybe there'll be something for them to do right there along with the bike trails and parks and and uh and other things so um so i i think um 
you know, uh, yesterday's meeting was a good first step, and they and they mentioned um, uh, better communication um, with the taxi groups, which is you know always a good idea, and um, and uh, a new uh, potential bus um, service, um, which is also a good thing. Um, but you know, I I really hope that um, you know to use a computing analogy, I, I hope that in addition to um, some of the software patches that um, we also invest uh, a little bit in new hardware you know it's it's been 10 years right. and um, some additional you know built facilities I think would would help a lot okay. Jeff okay. Um, good morning oh, we're back in the same studio the same people the same subject mr. Rouse mr. Gold <laughs> yes good to see you again um, I, what I worry about this uh, going back a long way I I think we all see huge potential for the cruise industry in Hong Kong. We're a week away from Tokyo. We're a week away from Singapore. We are the natural hub of East Asia. You come here, you take a week down to Singapore, and then you fly home, or the other way around. Same up northern route, and you've got some potential stopovers, very attractive in Vietnam or Thailand, uh, going one way, or uh, Taiwan and mainland and Korea the other way, and mix and match, you can, you know, change the routes and just go to, to don't try and do everything in one cruise it's huge potential looking forward so if we are successful this isn't one ship coming in at an awkward time when the when the road is blocked this is huge we if we want to explore that potential and enjoy it we must have a much bigger solution what is the much bigger solution i think um the the much bigger solution, you know, really involves um, doing a lot of things that uh, were in the initial in the initial plans for the district, um, you know, like the hotels, like the big uh, PTI and um, uh, lots of parking, and like um, the monorail or, or something similar. I, I think actually the original, um, you know, planners had had it right. Um, but just now we need to go and, and implement those things. Cause, because uh, you're quite right, and if I may say that, sounding condescending to someone who's actually the expert, um, but it isn't just about the cruise terminal, is it? No. We're no. talking about a very big development area. Sure, sure. Let, let's, let's ask our other expert now. Uh, um, Alok Jain is on the line. Alok, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Jim. So what do you, what, for you, what is the much bigger solution? Well, bigger solution was always there. It was uh, originally, I mean, this shows clearly the gap between what was in the design and planning stage and what happens in reality uh, when it, things are put on ground. And obviously at design planning stage, we had this monorail, we had this van PTI, and all of those transport solutions were part of this overall uh, Kaitak cruise terminal, which by design was a, it's kind of a landlocked at the end of a runway uh, kind of a facility. So anything that happens in excess roads impacted severely. And obviously, you need to release some of those. And there were these bridges planned. In, in the original plan, everything was there. Now, none of those are being built for one reason or the other. And I think the biggest solution end of the day is obviously this connection to MTR network, which is moving, you know, six, six million, or more than six million people a day. And once you are on that network, you can be anywhere in the system. And, and obviously, that connection could be, yeah, as Jeff mentioned, could be multiple solutions, could be a cable car, could be a sky bus, could be any, any of these forms 
uh, even if the cable car is not built. But, I mean, even if that cable car is there, this is going to impact the overall solution for that area, which is eventually going to house a lot of people and you know, with a lot of activities there. But hmm. and if it's particularly talking about the cruise turn, right now we have in Hong Kong for uh, race courses, we have this automatic um, you know, number of bus routes, special bus routes, which activate only on race days. And they, they just, you know, you don't have to plan them. You don't have to discuss them. They're just on race days, those routes are run. And we can do exactly a similar kind of proposition for cruise terminals that on cruise arrival days, you can just activate that number of routes. It will take people out from the terminal into different parts of Hong Kong. So I think there are multiple solutions. There is no one solution. There is no silver bullet to this. But there needs to be a whole gamut of solutions that will then address all the transport needs of cruise passengers. Well, we, we, we've got cruise ships uh, uh, coming back uh, to town now. Uh, um, Jeff Bent uh, mentioned uh, yesterday uh, the number that ex- is expected this year: hundred and forty-three calls at, yeah. at our terminal this right, year. Right, right, okay. I mean, that's a lot of people coming into coming into town. So, I guess you know, um, if, if there are problems, if there are transport problems, we're going to need like short-term solutions as well, right? Sure, uh, absolutely. I mean, the calls have been taking place, you know, since since March. Um, so it's it's not like it's just starting exactly. But um, yeah, uh, you know, there's always um, you, you know ways to contribute from from quick uh, from quick fixes and, and quick solutions. But I, I hope that we look more at the at the medium and long term as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Alok, you were going to say. Yeah, I was going to ask a lot. Is it too late a lot to go back and do put these other things in place? No, it's never too late. It just takes a little bit more time. That's all. Uh, but yeah, there will be short-term solutions, and I think short-term solutions are plenty. <clears throat> Buses can do a fabulous job. They carry a lot of passengers from the airport uh, to the city. We can have those kind of buses with luggage racks and everything, which can take people out into their destinations. But having said that, long-term solutions are necessary. And if this, I mean, Jeff is talking about 143 for the coming year, mm-hmm. but it could, that number could balloon, could even go up if we really build great facilities in, in the city. There could be, that number could grow to 300, 400 uh, ships per year. And are we ready to handle that number? I think that's the question that we have to ask. And, and should Hong Kong not try to handle that kind of number? Mm-hmm. We have built a very expensive facility there. And obviously, uh, better utilization of that facility would ultimately end, you know, end up uh, giving us more into the economic benefit, more into all kinds of benefits. So I think that's something we should be doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, so Jeff Bent, it looks like, well, anyway, uh, I mean, more buses might be part of the answer. I mean, again, the Tourism Commissioner was talking about uh, more bus routes. Absolutely. Today. Yep, we, we welcome more, uh, more bus routes. Yep. Especially... Uh, coordinated with the big bus companies, obviously, and not, not having to gazette them as an individual thing, just that when there's a big ship come in, they're triggered. Um, yeah. No, no, that... so these are gazetted. So, so, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, go ahead, Alec. You're, you're the bus expert. <laughs> yeah. no, so I was just saying this. Jeff and I have been discussing the bus issue for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And, and buses, if you look at race courses, these routes are all gazetted routes. They are cast in stone. All it happens is on a race day, we activate those routes and the routes are operating. So nobody has to plan anything, apply, put in an application or anything like that. 
and we can do exactly similar kind of arrangement for cruise terminal where whenever there is a cruise ship depending on the time of arrival so there is a communication that is needed between the bus companies and the cruise of terminal operator which is jeff and once that happens you just activate the plan and that's it right so you you get over the problem of of gazetting because it's already gazetted it's already approved you just press the button yes. when it, when it right and look i i have to ask why isn't this already in place well it's a million dollar question i don't know um it's it's a resistance from both uh, i would say government side which is somehow uh, they have this eventual big plans about uh, you know the tax area and they think that if they put the bus routes there it will be difficult to take them out in future if they build a railway line or a monorail or whatever it is but we have done it in so many places so many times i don't know why you know we can't handle this bull by the horns you know it, it's something I, i don't know they're just wary of this additional problem to that they need to handle in future Uh, um Jeff you were saying about um um apparently a lot of uh, local people um taking a cruise uh, would like to actually drive to the terminal and park up there and get on the cruise ship um um which would obviously uh, free up uh, taxis for for non-local passengers arriving um where about some just just I'm just sort of trying to picture the the area uh, mm. you know the site map if you like whereabouts would uh, you know local people be able to park if they were to drive to the terminal um there is a site uh, immediately adjacent to um to the terminal and um it's it's not being used uh currently uh it it has been used in the past uh city bus used it for a while as a depot and it was used as a movie set um for much of this spring um now it's uh vacant and and idle and it's right next to the cruise terminal mm-hmm. so um i mean really we hope that 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 land which is earmarked for a hotel will in the next fiscal year you know be be sold and developed as a hotel with a with a multi-story car park uh underneath it but in the meantime um wouldn't it be great if it could be used for uh for parking yeah. okay okay and, and what about the there's a quarantine facility there as well right just opposite the terminal yeah. yes um that is in a different lot and um you know that's quite um quite built up um but you know it is all um based on around containers so i i think it can be containers can be moved it could be relocated you know if another site is prepped with um with utility access then then it could be moved elsewhere would you have one other comment that came through from the public was that um there was nothing to do in the terminal itself essentially Yeah um I think the the terminal has uh 4% of its floor area for uh for commercial shops and um they are all occupied um but they're not necessarily um they're not necessarily things that that cruise passengers would take advantage of so there are restaurants but then um there's free food on board the cruise ship and um right. most of 90% of the people using the cruise terminal are are 
starting or ending their journey. So that means that they have their luggage and the kids and the grandparents and that, you know, they've either, they're either just embarking on a trip after spending the whole night packing, or they're just coming back, you know, exhausted after, you know, a few days. And they, they just want to get back to home, hotel or airport. Like they're not in the mood for, for shopping. Um, so the, the restaurants really focus, uh, on locals mostly. Um, and uh, one of them, uh, we, we had a new tenant move in from June, um, is, is doing, I would say, sort of medium-end uh, Chinese tour groups. Um, and they get, you know, a thousand plus uh, people a day in their restaurant now. They would like it to be more. Um, there, there are some other facilities in the cruise terminal, but, um, you know, they're very specialized for something that can work um, given the location. Um, you know, retail shops are, are 100% concerned about location and, and foot traffic, and uh, there's not a whole lot of foot traffic there. And, and you were saying off air that um, the modern thinking seems to be that the cruise terminal should be big box like moving people on the ship, moving people off the ship, rather than making it uh, a, a, a rival shopping mm. arcade or something. Home ports typically have. Um, almost no sh shopping or restaurants whatsoever. You know, like maybe they have like at, at most like a, a cap, like a, a coffee bar. Um, transit ports are different. So places where people, you know, are they don't have a lot of um, people who take cruises, like say some of the cities in Vietnam. Um, a lot, there aren't many Vietnamese people who go on cruises, but a lot of people go to Vietnam. Transit ports, they should have shopping, and most of them do because that's where the grandparents and the kids and the parents all go in three different directions. Nobody's carrying luggage. Everybody wants to buy something, you know, like to as a memento from, from their trip. So, so it makes very good sense in transit ports to, to uh, at these intermediate stops to have shopping, but um, not so much home ports. So we have people getting off the ship because they finished the cruise. We have new people getting on the ship because they're starting a cruise. Do we have any people who are just stopping over for one or two a, about a day? Ten, about ten percent. About ten percent. Right. So they may what they may stay on the ship, or they may want to just pop into town and see a sight. Yeah, and um, for those um, for those ships uh, or those passengers, um, yes, um, it would be very good to have more retail nearby, um, e.g. at the tourism node, which was, um, you know, in, envisioned to have retail and attractions and hotel and, and, and things to do. Specifically this Multiplex. hotel. Yeah. That would, that would be the right place for the much wider dining and shopping choices. Yes. Yeah. So we yeah. need it. Is it going to be tended out? I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, that I, I can't. I don't. I mean... It's. Um, I think the quarantine center is only ever supposed to be temporary, but when it can be re relocated and, and the land um, made available again, I'm not sure. What, what, what do you think, um, Alok? What should be done with the uh, uh, surrounding area to make uh, you know the whole thing more attractive? Well, surrounding area, as you look at the design and plans, they're perfect. You know, they, they, they're, they're nice buildings. They will accommodate all kind of activities, and it kind of complements the cruise terminal and all of those, those things that Jeff was mentioning, uh, it, it will be provided if those things are uh, put in fruition. 
But obviously those things are delayed. And, and I think there is a demand issue. This COVID has obviously cast a, a big you know, shadow on, on everything that we have been doing. So all those plans have been shelved. Uh, but obviously, there is a need for a hotel next to the cruise terminal. I mean, this is probably one cruise terminal which is far away from, I mean, all the cruise terminals that I know, this is one which is far away from every any single hotel. There is nothing nearby. Everybody has to go out of Kai Pak to somewhere. And I think this is uh, not something tenable. And I, I don't see what, what is the difficulty in getting the land auctions done and having a hotel built in you know next two three years time it takes only three years to build a hotel there okay i'm going to be watching the land sales program uh for the next financial year uh, um, f forgive me for not being a, a, an expert on the way cruises work but i mean can't the passengers just like stay on the ship overnight i mean what they need a hotel for 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 our our kind of um for the type of calls that we that we generally get um, it'll be a whole new batch of people coming into town. And um, I think uh, globally, 55% of people, you know, so there'll be people flying in from the US, from UK, from Australia, from Germany. 55% um, of the people stay one or more nights in the city before they get on the okay. cruise because okay. you know nobody wants to try to fly yeah. in the same day you know what yeah. if your flight is late and you miss it you know <laughs> your ship's gone so, so. <laughs> yeah you're, yes yeah. your ship will sail. yeah and obviously it's much more convenient to stay close to the to, to where you're going to board the ship and, many people ask uh, yeah, us yeah, they write so, in yeah okay okay we've just got to take a, a short break for uh, a new summary but uh, we'll continue the conversation uh, right afterwards a uh, quick look at the weather um sunny periods a uh, few showers at first today um very hot. Uh, top temperature around 33 degrees. Uh, that's in the urban areas, higher in the new territories. The outlook very hot with sunny periods in the next couple of days. Uh, more showers with thunderstorms in the latter part of this week. It's currently 30 degrees, humidity 77%, and the very hot weather warning is in effect. And now the news with Barry O'Rourke. The CEO of the Clean Air Network says the government is overdue in announcing its emission reduction targets for 2025 and 2030. Patrick Fung was commenting after a new report from Hong Kong, Guangdong and Macau showed improving air quality but worsening ozone levels in the Pearl River Delta. He said the three governments were moving in the right direction but that reduction targets should have been announced last year. A judge in the United States has dismissed Donald Trump's defamation counterclaim against the columnist E. Jean Carroll. She won five million US dollars in damages in May after a jury found that the former president sexually assaulted her. Mr. Trump was not found liable for rape in that case and sued Miss Carroll. And the Italian government has approved a 40% windfall tax on banks. The Deputy Prime Minister, Matteo Salvini, said the one-off tax would amount to several billion dollars and would go on mortgage relief for first-time homebuyers and tax cuts. We'll have more news on the hour from RTHK. Why have so many online accounts and passwords when you need only one with I Am Smart? You can access different online services using the I Am Smart platform, fill in forms automatically, and receive personalized notifications. With I Am Smart Plus, you can renew your vehicle license online in minutes. For more details, visit IamSmart.gov.hk. I Am Smart, the safe and swift gateway to online services. 
the Occupational Safety and Occupational Health Legislation Miscellaneous Amendments Ordinance 2023 is in effect. The maximum penalty has been raised to a $10 million fine and two years imprisonment for serious contraventions. Employers, employees and other duty holders should work together to prevent accidents. Complying with Occupational Safety and Health Legislation is a shared obligation for employers and employees. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And this morning in our main topic, we're talking about transport links to the Kaitak Cruise Terminal. Uh, we have with us uh, Jeff Bent, Managing Director of Worldwide Cruise Terminals, uh, which uh, operates the Kaitak facility. Um, Alok Jane, CEO and Managing Director of the Transport Consultancy, uh, Transconsult. And also now on the line joining us, we have uh, Fanny Young, Executive Director of the Travel Industry Council. Uh, Fanny Young, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, so we've been talking about um, um, possibly uh, adding more buses uh, from the terminal going into uh, places in town, uh, uh, parking for local people driving to Kaitak. Um, what do you think? What's your assessment of the situation? Well, well I think, uh, uh, I mean, all this kind of, uh, uh, I mean, ideas and uh, we, we should explore because uh, right now uh, what we see the the transportation link in the Kaitak area is, is really uh, something that uh, we need, need to fix. But I think, uh, after all, the most more important is that we have to make ourselves ready for the next cruise to arrive in Hong Kong. So, so some short-term things that uh, I think we should have the priority to 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 get it fixed first, and then uh, before the ultimate plan of the whole travel uh, transportation link in that area. Mm. Right. Yeah, I think. What's the feedback you're getting from your members, Fanny? Mm. Uh, I, I think what we, um, of course, yesterday we found that uh, uh, the tourism commissions and also transportation department and other, uh, I mean, other uh, other operators, they also um, had a meeting. And uh, I, what what I think we we heard from the uh, the trade partners here is that uh, maybe we can help the, uh, I mean, the cruise line uh, to help to diversify or to to make more. Uh, uh, to provide more information in advance to to the passengers before they, uh, I mean, uh, arrive Hong Kong. So, right. so maybe they are on the on the cruise ship. Maybe they can already book for some uh, shuttle service that to get them to um, get them to downtown. And even the pay, I, I mean, the payment to be made. Uh, I mean, while they were on the cruise, so so they won't have to uh, queue up for payment or, or what we heard that because they use credit card for for uh, paying for the bus right. that which takes longer time that, that that is something that we can explore further and well, i think that is also a short term that things that we can uh, maybe more easily to implement but one thing i want to ask you before because i know jeff wants to come in as well um this cruise terminal didn't just land in hong kong it didn't come down by helicopter it's it's been there for 10 years how, how is it that we're still having this kind of uh, situation 10 years later any any views, Fanny? Uh, sorry. Okay. Well, I, I think. Um, well, you know, we have the pandemic uh, for the last three years, and uh, well, even though the, I mean, prior to the pandemic, I think this cruise line is the uh, the spectrum is. Um, I mean, the, um, the the largest ship, uh, the cruise line here. Um, I mean, parking in in Kaita area, which um, I think it is it is the first time we we have 
that uh, I mean that many customers uh, I mean boarding up and uh, I mean I think um, I mean prior to that we have uh, also different cruise line they park in the Chim Sachri area which which doesn't have this this uh, issue at all so so that's why I think it comes with this incident this round okay Jeff yeah I guess um I, I don't know if Fanny was uh, was listening for the first part of the show. Actually, um, two-thirds of the passengers of the ship uh, were on uh, pre-bought, pre-arranged shore excursions, taking coaches uh, around town. And, you know, of course, um, we provided all the bus route information to the cruise line in advance, which is why... Um, most of the rest of the people took buses and minibuses and only, you know, some 10% um, went out and, and took taxis and, instead. So there, there's a lot of communication, um, but, you know, specifically on that Friday afternoon after all the press were, were disembarking from the ship, there was, uh, you know, a, a two-hour road blockage and uh, that, you know, we couldn't know about or we didn't know about right away. So, um, so I, I think you know, like there, there's a lot of advance notice given to um, to ships about all these things. So I, I don't think you can say it's not being done. But I mean, can we do better? Can we do more? Like, are there ways for passengers to to prepay? I, I think these are some of the suggestions that um, the Tourism Commission had yesterday that I think you know are, are worth looking into to make it, you know, even faster and easier for people to get on a on a bus than than using than using credit cards. So, so, so who who organizes that? Who organizes those prepaid tours for the passengers? Uh, the cruise line does. Mm -hmm. the, the cruise line um, typically arranges um, both tours and and transfers um, around town. And, um, you know, as as the terminal operator, I think, you know, we do our our bit, you know, we um, work with um, nearby malls to arrange free shuttle buses. We um, talk extensively with the taxis. Uh, you know, we continually lobby around mm. the bus, ferry, hotel, parking, yada, yada, yada. Um, but at, at the end of the day, um, there has to be a more um, robust and, and diverse um, solution. But I mean, I, I think it's right to say like, yes, we, we can't, um, neglect uh the present for for the sake of the future but at the same time yeah the future has been coming for 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 many years so, the future is um, always coming yeah yeah <laughs> philosophically yeah. and look what should be our priority to for addressing this issue it's actually very simple to resolve you can include the cost of an octopus card in the in the cruise price and on board you can give everyone an octopus it could be a nice souvenir from hong kong and for those people who are taking local transport, they can use Octopus anywhere. I think it's, uh, it's something that can be incorporated very easily. And it is done. It is nothing new, which is, um, you know, in, in airport ex in Hong Kong, when you're flying in, you can buy an airport express ticket right on the, on the aircraft. And I think very similar thing we can do for, for cruise terminals. An Octopus is very versatile to address those. What worries me at the moment, and especially after Friday's incident, which was just a minor accident on the road, up, upstream somewhere but if you just imagine if there was a cruise on fire and this are we do we have the emergency preparedness can we evacuate everyone from the cruise ship at the same time can we bring in all the firefighters and everybody into the terminal and handle the fire 
is it some kind of a thing which is are we ready for mm-hmm. for any facility of that scale mm-hmm. we really need to have those emergency preparedness in place and i don't know whether uh, any risk assessment on that respect has been done and how quickly you know 4500 people can be evacuated from that facility because that is a major challenge it's it has not happened yet and god forbid it may never happen uh, ever but it is something that any terminal planner has to be prepared for mm. jeff bent yeah um we do evacuation drills annually and um also annually we'll have some uh sort of exercise with either um generally with fire department sometimes also with um police um for the terminal um now for the ship um if there's a ship um at berth um that um that has a fire then um it's um how the ship uh evacuates and disperses their guests can be either into the terminal uh via the boarding bridges which presumably would already be connected or um via the shell doors which is um where generally where provisions come in and out but also in in other ports uh that don't have uh the the jet bridges um you know people also get on and off the ship via those and there's there's a lot of room on the apron which is 35 meters wide and 850 meters long to to carry well more than than any number of passengers on on any ship um that we've that we've that that exists you know. but your i think the fundamental point which you raised earlier yourself is that we need some redundancy in transport arrangements uh, you're dependent at the moment on a single road correct yeah correct if if all of those um you know 4 or 5000 people uh were having heart attacks after their ship caught fire then 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 yes we would we would need a better way to disperse those uh those uh, those people um um fanny young um um jeff jeff bent has been saying for uh, quite some considerable time uh, uh, a number of years that uh, it would be good to have uh, more ferry links between the terminal and um you know maybe maybe central chimsachoe something like that uh, um and that of course would make use of the of the visual facility of the harbor or if we could sort of yeah. take passengers from there what well, yeah, um, what do you think about is is that well, is that feasible option definitely yes definitely i support that the lord i think um but oh, i i totally agree that we we cannot just um rely on one mono mono transportation that uh, to to take passenger out and moreover i mean a different kind of transportation for the tourists they can have also different experience on the scenery so definitely this is something that we we are supporting but of course we understand that there's a lot of other considerations uh, uh i mean or the planning need to be in place but uh that definitely it is a long term it should be a long term plan mm. Okay um Mike did you want to I was just thinking we're putting together a smorgasbord of short medium and long term remedies for all of this um I'm still uh, I'm still left with a lot to think about um I remember the f- talk of the having a cruise terminal back in 1999 um and these things take time and i think the private sector was involved so you got to have tender documents you got to have processes you got to be fair so that's quite a long time from 1999 to 2013 to get a cruise terminal but we've had one now and and it didn't just start in 2013 in the sense that we knew it was coming then so we knew 
several years before 2013 that it would be opening. So mm. we've actually had a very long lead time for planning, and it's disappointing mm. that we're, mm. we're looking mm. at this and, and the remedy is some extra vouchers for the taxi driver um, of 20 years later. All right. Okay. Just got a quick uh, question. Well, I doubt there was anything Hello. wrong with yeah. the planning. The, the planning-wise, everything was in place, Mike. I it mean, just I didn't happen. Recall the original plans. Yeah. It never happened. Yeah. So it's the execution which which fell, fell short. I think planning was all good. It, if you looked at the plan at that time, all the studies were in place: dispersals, traffic, tra- you know, this tourism node, hotels. Everything was there. I mean, all the things that we talked about was supposed to be there. It just never happened. That is, I think, the key issue here. Okay. Mm. I just got a, a quick uh, question from a, a listener. Put this one, this one to uh, Jeff. Uh, says uh, this is from listener John. Says what determines which cruises dock at Ocean Terminal, which is an excellent venue, and which ones use the cruise terminal? Is it based on ship size? What percentage of cruises use OT versus the cruise terminal? So um, in this year. Uh, I believe the tourism board say they expect 166 ship calls uh, overall for Hong Kong, of which 143 will be at the Kai Tak Cruise Terminal. And, um, you know, the ocean terminal is is great for for what it is. Um, And there are a lot of cities that are exactly like Hong Kong, that there will be a... um, small 50-year-old facility that's in town, and the town grew up around it. But then the ships, uh, you know, have quintupled in size. And so um, Ocean Terminal, I think, is is very good for um, for small ships that are, are in transit. They're not doing the check-in. They're not doing the baggage. They're not doing provisioning. Um, there's not much logistics, and it's just the passengers kind of walking off and walking around into town. You know, it's great. All the museums are nearby and hotels and uh, historical buildings and shopping. You know, it's all right there. Um, but for, for the ships that have a lot of logistics to do, um, a lot of provisioning, uh, a lot of luggage coming on and off, uh, lots of people coming in and out. You know, it's it's um, the Kaitak cruise terminal works much better for that, and that also partially drives why Kaitak is ninety percent um, these turnaround calls where there's a lot of logistics going on because there just isn't the space at, at Ocean Terminal to do all these all these things. So it's horses for courses. I, I'm not familiar with that British expression, but I'll, I'll take your word for it, Mr. Okay. Faust. Thank you. <laughs> oh, all, right. Oh, all right. Well, thank you very much to, to uh, everybody. I'm sorry we're, we're out of time for this bit of the program this morning. But uh, thanks very much. That was uh, uh, Jeff Bent, Managing Director of uh, Worldwide Cruise Terminals. Uh, thanks to Alok Jane, CEO and Managing Director of TransConsult, and Fanny Young, Executive Director of the Travel Industry Council. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, audience of RTHK. I'm Po Chen, the Financial Secretary. This year marks the 95th anniversary of RTHK. I wish RTHK every success in starting a new chapter for public service broadcasting. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. With Hong Kong. With Hong Kong.
And for the last part of this morning's programme, uh, we're turning our attention to uh, another matter, and that is the uh, disappearance of a number of uh, um, heritage road signs um, around Hong Kong. Um, to discuss this, uh, we have with us uh, Gary Yao, who's uh, founder of the Road Research Society. Um, Gary Yao, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Ah, thanks very much for joining us. So, so we understand the Highways Department has, has actually filed a police report. It, it discovered that uh, five of these old uh, road signs had been uh, illegally removed. Uh, these are what they call the T-shaped the signs, aren't they? Uh, uh, can, can you tell us uh, more about them and what, um, and what is their heritage value? Well, it is disheartening to see this iconic road sign going missing in Shangri-Pol and they told so much historical and cultural significance for our city. And it is a shame to see them disappear. Like, um, they do witness our city evolution and how it changed. As, I, I mean, some of them are like 100 years old, is that right? Yeah, more than 100 years old, some of them. So, so, so how are they... So how, um, so how do they, uh, you know, record the city's evolution, if you like, as you say? Like, um, if you see some of them T-shaped street signs, and like the Chinese, they written from the right to left, um, just like nowadays they written from left to right. It is a historical um, fabric. Gary, I, I had no idea there was such a society. Can you tell us a bit about the work of the society and what you're interested in? You, you mean my society? Yes, yes. the Road Research, the road yeah, research yeah. Society. Yeah, we do concern about the um, road design, the signage design, and also the typography. Um, indeed, we try to um, preserve the old road sign digitally, um, recording all the old road sign with the old typeface by digital those old typeface to in uh, computer forms. Um, it is a difficult word because, like, um, since six years ago. No one cares about old road signs or the type, the typography. So we do trying to um, let everyone knows about this. Is it um, when the government departments name a road or when they maybe the old sign is worn out? Do they re use the old style or do they have a modern style? They used to use the modern style because the old style used to be um, stuck on the buildings and. They used to not move it or remove it. Um, if the new street signs, they are just um, installed on ground or mounted on the pole. Right. So they, they're no more old style anymore. Mm. Is, is that something that you should be interested in or we should be interested in as a, as a community? It seems yes, that it we, gave a flavour to Hong Kong, didn't it? Yeah, they... Um, as I said, they witnessed the city's evolution and also they are very important part of the visual culture memories. Mm -hmm. So like um, who, for, for people who like old Hong Kong or even the culture, um, not only for movies or the um, languages, the visual culture is also part of our 
also importing culture. Mm. So it, it seems that uh, the, the nature of tourism is changing a little bit now as well, isn't it? A lot of people are coming to Hong Kong to like search out its unique characteristics. I mean, would, mm -hmm. would this be one of them? Would this be an example of, uh, you know, um, what what uh, what Hong Kong has which you can't find anywhere else? Yeah, indeed. Because um, I think the most important um, the the fun fact is Hong Kong mixing the culture from the Chinese and Western. Um, a lot of mainlanders, tourists, they trying to find those street signs are very interested. Um, maybe some of them is very Chinese culture and some of them is from Western. So I think um, it's good to have, like, they do notice that it is also part of the culture and they interested in. Yeah. Um I think that's very important, looking for, for the long-term interest of the tourism sector. Uh, what The immediate problem that we've had in the last few weeks seems to be people stealing signs uh, yeah. existing, attached to old buildings or, or, or the poles, the street furniture, or the old, mainly the old buildings. Um, those old T-shaped signs used to be attached on the building, and... Like, we have no idea how they do it, but um, it is very unfortunately that we've seen. Because, um, yeah, um, like, how to preserve them? I think, like, ideally, the best way to preserve this old road signs would be, like, keep them in the original places. Right. Like, yeah, but um, however, however, we have unfortunately seen this sign has been stolen or gone missing. <laughs> can, we, can we put up... New sides in the old style, or is it, isn't that not is that not good enough? Um, we, I think it is a good idea, but um, we should have more study or more research how the old sign produced and also the typeface. Otherwise, if we're just trying to copy the mm. old one but with a wrong typeface, right? It could be just so. Yeah, <laughs> many of them were made in prisons, weren't they? Um, some of them are made in prison, or some of them are just made by contractors. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and there's, a face, there's lots of Facebook groups now. Uh, mm -hmm. Hong Kong in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and so on. Do you have your, a big group on Facebook? Um, we do have a Facebook page called just Road Research Society. So we just share the stories of road signs or design. So, so how many of these old signs are left now, Gary? Um, if for the old road signs, about like 500 with the typeface name Prison Gothic, um, which is the um, old handmade typeface by prisoners, mm. which has discontinued in 1997, like 26 years ago. Mm -hmm. And and um, I mean, is there? I mean, obviously the signs are, themselves are, are pretty old, um, so they'll they'll be stuck onto old buildings. I mean, is is there a problem with uh, uh, if a building gets renovated um, or redeveloped? Sign, sign get, or, yeah, yeah, re renovated or redeveloped, the sign gets taken off and then it's is is not seen again. Um, yeah, because um, I think the alternative solutions like is to establish a museum. Um, specifically, like, dedicate this historical artifacts. Um, it could be a transport museum or something focuses on visual culture and the city's history. Um, 
But we what we found like um, those um, like old road signs, street signs, or even milestones, they are just removed it, and no one's know <laughs> where they're gone. Mm. Which <laughs> which government departments do you deal with on this subject? Um, well. Used to be highways department for the street furnitures, but right. um, sometimes they it could be transport department too. Talking about the road signs, right? And what street names attached to the buildings? Name, um, I think that should be highways department. Mm-hmm. So, so um, is anybody sort of uh, keeping an eye on these things? Uh, you know, the 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 the, the mileposts and distance markers, as well as the the old road signs. I mean, is is it just uh, yourselves and and perhaps any other organisation like yourself, or is there like a you know um, um, some official official means of um, protecting these old signs? Well, I think um, most of them are the non-government organisation. I, I don't think the officials, government officials, are um, right now are really care about that. But um, just the problem is the stolen street signs were were criminal because um, they trying to take action. But it's just only the redevelopment of some building, or they just remove those street signs. They on that not actually care about the historical or cultural stuff of them. Well, we have a department for culture. Yeah, but um, um, yeah, um, just a bit. Street signs were preserved, it, but um, but there are no kind of like there's no um, a department uh, do trying to take an eye on that. Um, how important to the historical? Has anyone been prosecuted, as far as you know, for for stealing a street sign? I'm not sure, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so these old signs—they're just stuck on the wall. I mean, are they are they, are they uh, screwed on, glued on? Um, used to be glued, and some of them were um, screwed. Yeah, you can still see some in in Wan Chai, mm. in the side streets mm. of of Queens Road East. Mm. Um, in the little ones. Right, right, yes, yes, and 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 Sham Shui Po. As uh, as Gary was saying uh, at the at the beginning, and uh, there's a lot a lot of old areas um, over there, obviously. Well, yeah. good luck to your society, Gary. Yeah, yeah and uh, let's make it better known and sign up more viewers to your Facebook page, and maybe open some formal channels with different bits mm. of the government as well. Mm. Don't let yeah. let's not let this drift away. Right. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, well, best of luck, and uh, and thanks very much for speaking to us uh, on this morning's program. Um, uh, that uh, who you just heard from was uh, Gary Yao, uh, founder of the uh, Road Research Society, talking about those uh, some of those uh, very old, hundred-year-old in some cases, uh, Hong Kong street signs. Uh, a few of them have been uh, disappearing, so the, the Highways Department has uh, filed a, a report uh, to the police. Um, okay. Um, Let's say thank you to our listeners. Thanks very much to this morning's uh, guest presenter, Mike Rouse. Really fun show. Yeah, good. Glad you enjoyed it. And we'll see you uh, soon, Mike, no doubt. Friday, Uh, I think. Friday. Okay, we'll see you Friday. Good. And um, stay with us because we've got a news summary coming up, followed by the brunch, not with Noreen this morning, but uh, brunch with Andrew Dembina.